have a few verses, please, I'd like for us to read together first in the Epistle of James. If you have a Bible with you, if not, don't worry, I'll roll short readings. James and chapter number one, verse number 15. It says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We turn over, please, to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 15 for another verse or two. Luke in chapter 15, and we're just breaking into this well-known story the, the story of the prodigal son. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's, it's about a son who asked his father for his share of the inheritance while his father was still alive. And being given it, he takes it and he goes into a far country and he wastes it. And he finds himself at the extremity of circumstance. And we're just going to break in. Verse 14 says, when he had spent all... This is Luke 15, verse 14. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said... And that was just the point at which everything changed. When he came to himself, he had a a realization that changed everything. Uh, Another verse, please, in the Gospel of John and chapter 19. We've just one more reading after this. I apologize for all the page turning, but hopefully uh, the connections will, will become clear in a moment. John and chapter 19 referred to in our opening hymn verse number 30 says this is the Lord is hanging on the cross when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost and then lastly please in the gospel of Matthew and chapter number 11 Matthew And chapter 11. More familiar words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 11 and verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's all that we'll read. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word. It's hard to believe that another year is almost over. Less than seven hours to go, as far as our time time zone is concerned. Of course, much of the world is already into 2024. I was sent a, a photo about six hours ago from a work colleague who is currently in Sydney and sent a photo of the fireworks that, of course, are famous 
that are let off at midnight there in Sydney Harbour. A new year. A time when people reflect on a year that has passed and look with hope and optimism to a year that is before. And yet sadly it seems when you look at how the majority of the world approaches that, looking back and looking forward, it's a cycle that just seems to always repeat itself. They look back on a year that has been full of disappointment and just the world at large going from one tragedy to the next. And they look towards the next year and they, they seem to think to themselves, hopefully this year it'll be different. They want to leave behind the, um, the disappointments of the year that's passed. And they look with future to the future with optimism. And yet sadly, more often than not, this time a year from now, they'll be doing the very same thing. I'm glad for those of us who are saved, we can look to the future with a lot more confidence. And as we look at a world that seems increasingly on a crash course to disaster, rocking and reeling, just from one tragedy to the next. For those who have put their trust in Christ, they have the assurance that he is firmly in control and he will guide our little vessels safely and securely to their final end and land us safe at the end, on heaven's golden shore. Can I just ask my audience, I don't know all that are here, front to the back, as you consider the future, this another end of another year, you reflect on the year that's passed, you look to the year ahead, do you have the assurance of knowing where you're going when your lease of time runs out. The end of another year. We've read a number of verses in our Bible that speak of a number of endings. And just very briefly, I would like for us to think about a number of endings that are worth your consideration if you're not yet saved. And it's my prayer and it's the prayer of the believers that gather here that as a result of hearing the gospel tonight, you would be able to end this year with Christ as your savior and be able to step out with assurance into a new year, knowing that come what may in the uncertain seas of life, you will have that rock, that assurance that Christ is yours. And more importantly, that you are his. And come what may, you know that heaven is your eternal home. We read, first of all, in James in chapter 1, of the end of sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth 
death. You might say that's that's quite a solemn place to start a message that's meant to be about good news. Well, it is. But if we do not face the serious, stark reality of sin, what it is, and how it ends, dear friend, you will never appreciate how important it is to be saved. And so we must face it. The end of sin is death. I saw just in that verse briefly, we're given really a a little glimpse at the life cycle of sin. First, we have its conception. It starts small. Just, just a thought. The Bible speaks of lust. That's just a sinful desire, a desire to do something that we shouldn't do. Most of the people out in the world, they don't even think that thoughts can be sinful. But the scripture says that even f- the thought of foolishness is sin. To a holy and infinite God, even evil thoughts are polluting. But the sad thing is, thoughts never just stay as thoughts. The Bible says not only do you have the conception of sin, it results in the cancerous growth of sin. An evil thought becomes evil action. And slowly as a person sins more and more and more, it's just like a cancerous growth that grips them harder and harder and harder. And the catastrophic end of sin, dear friend, is death. Not only physical death, that's bad enough, but spiritual death. The end of sin The final end, the final conclusion, dear friend, of sin, if it's not dealt with, is your eternal separation from God forever and forever and forever. Most people in the world have absolutely no care about the sin in their life. The scripture makes it clear that the person who indulges in sin, and that's all of us, for we're all human, And it's part and parcel of us. It's in our nature. We cannot escape it. The Bible says the person who indulges in sin, the person who is a sinner, if that sin is not dealt with, if it's not forgiven, the final end of sin is death. I could stay there, but I have to move on. We read a verse, number of verses, and look in chapter 15. Not now of the end of sin, but of a man who came to a very important place. And I want for us to think for a few minutes about a man who came to the end of himself. This is a boy who who had it all. As much money as he could want. He had nice clothes, plenty of friends, or he thought they were friends, plenty of food, and all of a sudden, it just all 
fell out from under him. And he was left at a distance from his father's house, destitute, defiled, feeding pigs. And in that man, I just see a picture of each and every one of us in our sins. At a distance from God, destitute, penniless, helpless to do anything about it ourselves, and defiled, unfit to dwell with God forever and forever. But the tremendous thing was this. There came a day in that man's life where he recognized exactly where he was. It says there came a point when he came to himself. He woke up. He recognized that where he was was a dangerous place to be. And the first step back to his father's house required him to stop and recognize where he was. I wonder if there's someone in the meeting tonight and you would be willing, just humble enough, not only to recognize and face up to the, to the solemn truth as to where your sin will take you, the end of sin. I wonder if there's someone who's just willing to acknowledge that you've nothing in yourself to meet that need. No ability in yourself to cleanse you of your sin. Try as you might, no money, no works can ever improve your standing in the sight of a holy God. And you just come to yourself. You come to that realization that you're helpless, hopeless. And if ever you and God are to be reconciled, it's going to have to be a, his work and not yours. Say again, is there someone in the hall? Maybe somebody out in the car park listening. And that's been your problem up to now. You recognize you're a sinner in maybe an abstract way and you know that sin is serious. But you think if you try a little bit harder, Perhaps you already have your list of New Year resolutions written out. You say next year is the year in which I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to get right with God. Dear friend, you're helpless. You're at a distance. You're destitute. You're defiled in your sin. And the first step to recovery is to stop. And to acknowledge exactly where you are. An end of self. There's nothing about pride in the person who receives God's salvation. There's not a single person in heaven who goes about saying, I'm here because of what I did. Everyone who receives God's great salvation does it acknowledging that they don't deserve it and they could never provide it themselves. An end of sin. The end of sin. And the end of self. Well, I'm very glad to move on to that wonderful verse in John in chapter 19. The precious words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he hung upon the cross. It is finished. What a tremendous end that was. Do you know, I thought for a long time about what little title I would put over that verse. I'll share some of them with you. 
There were so many tremendous things came to an end. When our Lord Jesus Christ uttered those words and dismissed his spirit, having completed his work, it was the end of Satan's power. Satan was crushed when our Lord Jesus died upon the cross. It was the end of his dominion, the end of his power, and he has hobbled on a defeated foe ever since. Do I love the fact that once a person is saved, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, as it were, salvation is a one-way door. When a person is lost and then found, they can never be lost again. Thank God for eternal security. The fact that Satan's power has been eternally weakened by the work of Christ upon the cross. And dear friend, you can have the assurance if you put your trust in Christ, you are held in not only the Savior's hand, the Lord tells us in this very gospel, the gospel of John, but held also by the Father's hand. And the Lord Jesus Christ said those words, we love to quote them, I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. Thank God it was the end of Satan's power. It was the end of the sting of death. Who would have thought that by dying, death could be defeated? That's exactly what happened when our Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross. Sin has resulted in eternal death. But by the Lord Jesus dying upon the cross, he defeated death and provided a way by which we mortal, sinful human beings might receive eternal life. And so when a, when a Christian dies, it's not described in the scriptures as death. It's described as sleep because they're not spiritually dead. And they are physically dead only for a short time. And there is a glorious day coming when the Lord Jesus will return and all who have trusted him who are dead will rise, never to die again. Thank God. The Lord Jesus dying on the cross was the end of Satan's power. And for the believer, it was the end to the sting of death. It was the end of the system of sacrifices. When the Lord Jesus Christ uttered these words and died, the great veil that was in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. And God was saying this old system, which was only a system of shadows, only ever meant to point forward to the one perfect sacrifice for sin. He said, I'm done with it. You might think to yourself, this isn't relevant to me. I have no interest in animal sacrifice. Well, that's, that's good because it's not, part, it's not part of this dispensation at all. Finished at the cross. But there are many people who still think that there's a system of sacrifices and that's the means by which they're made right with God. Maybe you think if you give up a little bit of your salary, that God takes that into consideration Maybe you think if you do good works, you sacrifice your time. That's how you get right with God. Dear friend, the work of Christ upon the cross brought an end once and forever 
through a system of sacrifices, a means by which man could be right with God. The Lord Jesus Christ offered the once for all perfect sacrifice. And you and I cannot offer anything, anything close, anything that we might offer, the best that we might offer, is an affront to the perfect sacrifice of Christ. Just accept his sacrifice. Don't try to bring anything of yourself. It was an end to Christ's sorrow. I love to think about that. Isaiah 53 describes the Lord Jesus as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And many times on the pages of scripture as the Lord walked here on earth, we see him weep as he sees the havoc that sin had wrecked on his creation. I believe as the Lord Jesus Christ uttered these words, from that point onwards, his cheeks were never wet again. For he had accomplished the means by which sin could be dealt with once and forever. The Hebrew epistle tells us for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. His sorrow was before the cross. Subsequently, it has been only joy. Dear friend, is this not a wonderful scene? Contemplating Christ upon the cross, dying for you, paying the punishment for your sins. So much came to an end at the cross. Thank God his suffering came to an end. And that's really the main one I want to leave you with. An end to the Savior's suffering. The work to provide salvation for sin is complete. His suffering ended to a sinner who slips out. And I hesitate even to use that word, but so many slip out without even realizing the, the dreadful destination that they're arriving in. But when a soul slips out into eternity and begins suffering for their sin because their sin has not been forgiven. The tragedy of that is their suffering will never come to an end. Thank God that the Savior in those hours upon the cross, such was his perfect sacrifice such was the suffering that he endured that he exhausted the wrath of God and his suffering came to an end. The work was complete. The work was done. Dear friend, you can rest upon it. You can stake your eternity upon it. If Christ, who is God, said the work is finished, then you and I can't improve it. You and I can't add to it. Just accept it. It was finished. His suffering came to an end. The end of sin, end of self, end of the Savior's suffering for sin. But we read that beautiful verse in Matthew in chapter 11 and verse 28. Come unto me, all ye who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As a result of the Savior's suffering upon the cross, 
The invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ can be extended to you this evening. And he invites you, invites you to end your struggling. Is there someone here and you would love to be saved? And you say, I've tried, I've tried to understand it, and I've tried to take it seriously, and I've tried to struggle and recognize how serious my sins are. Just listen to the words of Christ. He says, if you're laboring, if you're struggling, if you're striving, he says, come to me. And I'll give you rest. Dear friend, there's absolutely no need for you to struggle and strive in your sins. We've already thought that the Lord Jesus Christ has finished the work by which you can be reconciled to God. And you have nothing to do. I would love if there was someone here and that just fits exactly where you are. That you would rest on the words of Christ as he invites you to not only cease your struggle, but to close your separation. He says, come. That great gulf that exists between you and God on account of your sin. The Lord Jesus has closed on account of his suffering on the cross. And he is able with outstretched arms in the final closing arms, hours of 2023. To issue this great invitation to you to come to him and to end your struggle. Just before I close, there's one verse. I didn't read it and I'm glad that I don't have a long time to, to dwell on it. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 17 says, What shall the end be of them that obey not? The gospel of God. The answer isn't given. But I want you to just ponder it in your own mind. What is the final end of the sinner who rejects God's so great salvation? Thank God you don't have to find out. Face up to the fact that your sin is taking you to a lost eternity. Come to your senses. Appreciate you have nothing to offer God. But appreciate the fact that Christ died for you, that you might not perish. And tonight he invites you to end your struggle. Stake your eternity in him. He's dependable. He said, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you with feeble faith take hold of that promise tonight and put your trust in him, setting aside whatever it is you've been trusting in up till now, put your trust in him. And the Lord Jesus said, he that comes to me, I will not cast out. Shall we pray? Our Father, we give thanks again for thy precious word. We give thanks for these closing 
words that we've been able to consider, the invitation, the gracious invitation of our Lord Jesus. As he spoke to those who were struggling in their sins to come unto him and find rest. We give thanks for the great rest that he provided when he died for us upon the cross. And we just pray that somebody in our gathering tonight would cease their striving and put their trust in the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Give thanks again for our time together. Ask that each would have a safe journey home. And we give thanks uh, for these things and pray again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.